Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Before we jump into the message today, uh, let me just open our time in prayer. I'm really glad that you are all here with us today. Glad that you've been able to join us online. And I know that we're separated by t- time and distance and uh, all of these things, and yet to know that we are united in Christ, that we're able to join together in this way, to learn together, worship together, it's a beautiful thing. That God isn't limited by, by these things, and he's at work, so... If you would just join me in uh, opening prayer. Lord Jesus, we are thankful to be together in this way today. And to know that you are meeting us even now. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us as we continue to learn together, worship together, respond to your teaching together, and just, just be growing and following and learning embodying the truth of who you are in our lives. I just want to thank you for the faithfulness of your people. I thank you for their ongoing generosity and supporting the work of the Erickson Covenant Church and ask that that we, as your people, as your church, would continue to just reveal your love to others in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, uh, online and in person, that we would be revealing your love, the love that we've received from you, as we simply live the life that you've given us to live. Thank you for our time together today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, do you know who I really admire at weddings? It's probably the same person you admire. Okay, yes, there's the bride. We all admire her. The groom, okay. But no, no. It's that guy at the dance afterwards who has absolutely no inhibitions. And not because he's just had too much to drink. No, no, no. He is just in celebration mode. And when the dance floor opens, he goes out there and he just cuts loose with absolutely no reserve whatsoever while I sit on the sidelines and watch. You know what I mean? And at the most, you get from me sort of a hesitant shuffle. But inside, I want to be that guy, (laughs) that woman who just celebrates the moment by letting it go. Really, I want to be like the guy we've maybe all seen in this next video. How would you live if you felt totally and completely free? How would you move? (laughs) How would you dance? How would you live if you knew that you were completely and totally loved, believed in, adored, esteemed, where you could live without fear, without ignorance, without reprisal? I mean, how would you move? How would you breathe? How would you get up in the morning? How would you dance if you suddenly realize that there's nothing that can actually touch you? I mean, not for real. There's, there's nothing that can change your status as a loved, precious, as a person that is secure in the care of the Father. 
I mean, what would change if you and I were fully released from the guilt that often shadows our lives, the shame that often we carry? What would change if we could live knowing that we really are forgiven of our past and given a future where love is the only law, where life is the only way? I think we'd live differently now. I think it would change us at a, at a daily level. I think we'd love more freely. I think we'd hesitate less often. I think we'd risk more radically. I think we'd give more generously. I think we'd be less concerned at what people think about us and more caught up with the ways that God wants to reveal his love to others through us. I think we'd forgive more readily. I think we'd repent more quickly. I think we'd examine our past more honestly. I think we'd image the God who created us more clearly because the more we experience this freedom, the more that freedom would animate our actions and our words. If we really knew, down deep, in a way that can't be shaken, this gift of true forgiveness from God the God who's become one of us through Jesus Christ, I think we would throw away the canes. I think we would dance. And I think it would somehow go viral because people would watch and then they'd get off their butts and dance with us because they too could experience this freedom. But how do we really grasp that? How do we really get this down deep? Well, as we'll see today, it's when we get honest. Honest about who God is. Honest about our own sin. So that we can get honest about forgiveness and experience freedom like we've never known. Well, that's where we're going today. We're continuing on in our series. Um, the series that we've been doing for, this is our third week. And we're doing a series called Living True, which is really about cutting through the lies, the confusion, the fake the, the ways that we have been told or believed that have actually held us down and moving into the full, free, true life that God has given us to live, that he's released us to live through Jesus. And we're exploring that through this little letter called 1 John, which is toward the end of the New Testament, written by one of the close followers of Jesus, John himself, who wrote the Gospel of John, which is uh, one of the big four stories about Jesus, then he wrote these three little letters, and he also was famous for writing the book of Revelation. Well, in this little letter, John is writing to a group of Christians who are being challenged by some teaching. There's some folks that are roving around that think that John, as well as those other apostle dudes, have made a bit too big of a deal about Jesus. They're saying, oh, come on, do you really need Jesus that much? And they're claiming to know God, to be in friendship with God, to, to live a pure life without any need for forgiveness, without any need for Jesus, without this weird, messy confession of sin business and our need for a Savior. And John writes this letter to this group of Christians to say, that will not lead you to freedom. That will lead you back into darkness. That will lead you back into bondage. And so he wants to, to help them stand strong and firm in the truth so that they can live true and experience the freedom that God has claimed for them through 
Jesus Christ. Well, that's where we're going today, down this road of freedom that leads to true forgiveness and true life. We're going to be turning in 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 6, which covers a bit of what we did last week because it, it links to the rest. And then I'm going to read through to John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And if you have a Bible, open it up. If you're, if you're online, you can open up a second window or even use at the bottom of the chat bar, there's an option to use the Bible. But I, I encourage you to look at the text as we go today because... Um, you'll see how it, it kind of jumps around the way that John writes it, and I'm going to try to make sense of it as we come together, which is why I'm going to read the whole passage first, and then we'll go back through it together. Here it is, starting in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's dive into that. The first thing on this road to freedom that we start with is a commitment to telling the truth. Do you notice how John here focuses on three false claims? And how it kind of interweaves with true statements? And uh, let me pull out those three false claims. Maybe you caught them. The first one is what we talked about last week. And that is that we can have a relationship with God apart from Christ. And we talked about how walking in the light in the the larger context of John really is about following Jesus. It's really about pointing to Jesus and recognizing that it is through Jesus that God, who is light, has made himself known. And so the first false claim that John wants to counter is the one he's going to be countering all the way through his letter. And that is this. The false claim that we can be in fellowship with God, we can be right with God without Jesus. He says, no, that's not true. Jesus is the way that God has revealed himself to the world. And so to be in relationship with God, why wouldn't we be dealing with Jesus? We need to know Jesus in order to know God, to understand who he is. And so he says, if you somehow claim to be in fellowship with God, and yet are walking in the darkness, are rejecting who God is. He's like, that's not true. You lie. You don't live out the truth. And so he's countering this idea. The second false claim he wants to deal with is that we are without sin. That there are those who are saying, we don't really have a problem. We don't have a problem within us. We aren't tainted by sin. Uh, We're able to live truly free. Sin's not an issue. 
And to say we are without sin, John says quite clearly here, it's a delusion. He says, we deceive ourselves in verse 8. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And what he's trying to say there is that we have to recognize that we have been tainted by sin. That there's something in us that isn't right. In and of ourselves, we are off somehow. Off kilter. We're not set to true. We're bent. And not only ourselves, but we look at the world around us and recognize that that's true in others as well. Not in a judgmental way, but just in an observational way. There's something wrong with us. And so to, to stake the claim that we don't, we don't have sin, we are without sin, John says, that's to live under a delusion. That's to deceive ourselves. And then, of course, the third claim that he wants to counter is not just that we are without sin, but that we haven't actually sinned. There are, not, there are no actions in our lives that have been inconsistent with God's character that we have never committed or done anything in our life that would have hurt someone else, that would have been something contrary to what God wished and desired for his world, for our relationships, even for the good of ourselves. To claim that is to also say that I actually have no particular need for forgiveness, which is another way of saying, I don't need Jesus. I don't need him as a sacrifice for our sin. And John pulls no punches here. For these three false claims, he said, if that's true, we're lying. We're deceiving ourselves and we're actually calling God a liar because God has looked at his world and said, this world desperately needs my son to come to wash away their sin, to forgive them, to make it possible for them to come back in relationship with me. That's what they need. And so he sent his son Jesus out of his heart of love so that we could come back to him. And so if we stand back, as it were, and say, not only do I have no sin in my life, I, don't, I have never done any wrong, it's another way of saying, God, you've lied. You've lied about us. You've lied about what's wrong with the world, and we have no need of your son, Jesus. Well, John pulls no punches about that. Again, he's trying to counter this idea that's starting to float out there among these Young Christians, older Christians that have been following Jesus for a while, this idea that, oh, this Jesus thing, we don't really need him. He's trying to counter that with the truth. That living free means living true because truth brings freedom. It immediately reminds us of something that Jesus himself said. Even if you're not uh, a churched person, even if you're fresh and new to things, maybe you're just checking us out online, you haven't even come in a building like this, uh, you've probably heard the phrase, the truth shall set you free. That's a phrase that we've heard in our, you know, just in our culture, it's used. The truth shall set you free. And we all kind of resonate with that. That's right, truth sets you free. Well, you might not know that that's actually Jesus' words himself. In John chapter 8, and remember how we're going to do that every once in a while, or maybe every week, I don't know. We'll link back to times when what John says in his letter is very similar, or we get a bit more background in what he says in his Gospels. Well, in John chapter 8, Jesus said this. He said to uh, Jews that believed in him, he said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Notice that? The truth that Jesus is saying will set you free is actually the teaching of Jesus. It's knowing his teaching, specifically his teaching about his father, about what he has come to do, 
and about us. Holding to his teaching, the teaching that says we are to love one another. We are to believe in the one the Father has sent. All of that is the truth that will set us free. Well, these um, faithful Jews uh, who were following Jesus and believed in him, they, they were confused by this, and they said, we are Abraham's descendants. I mean, we've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Listen to Jesus' response here because it ties directly into what we're seeing in 1 John. He says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. If you sin, you're in bondage. You're in slavery. You can't get out, Jesus says. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. He's talking about the culture of that day. But a son belongs to it forever. And then here's the linchpin. He says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Holding to the teaching of Jesus brings freedom. The son comes and frees us, and that freedom is guaranteed. And that comes related to what Jesus has done for our sin. Jesus has come to set us free. He comes to set us free from sin, comes to set us free from lies, comes to set us free from a false sense of who we are, and also false ideas about God as we see the person of Jesus revealing the Father to us perfectly. This is what it means to align ourselves around the truth of who God is, who he's revealed himself to be through Jesus, but also who we are, what he has said about us, and our need for a savior. You know, anyone of us who've been through an addiction or recovery program knows that in the 12 steps, at least, the very first step is this, that we admit that we were powerless, right? Powerless over alcohol or powerless over a certain destructive habit and that our lives have become unmanageable. We know that there is no freedom without truth-telling. Getting honest about ourselves is the first step toward freedom. So that's where it starts. But it leads us directly into a confession of that truth. Do you notice what John said? In these interlinking passages where he talks about a false claim and then a true claim and a false claim and a true claim, he is very big on confession. (laughs) Confessing who Jesus is, but also confessing our own sin. Well, first about Jesus. We're told if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. He wants people to know that when we make true confession, we speak the truth out loud about who Jesus is and what he has done for us, it leads directly to an application of what he has done for us to our lives. In that, we are purified of all sin, washed clean. And the second confession, specifically about sin, we're told in 1 John 1, 9, we're told if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Both of these confessions about who Jesus is and about our own sin lead to the same result. Purification, cleansing, where we are washed clean. And we're assured of that forgiveness, which is so powerful. To know Jesus is to know freedom because Jesus came to make the world right. He came to make you and I right. He came to do whatever had to be done so that we could be cleaned up, purified, set right, and able 
enabled to be back in right fellowship with the God who created us, to take care of all the junk and the hurt and the taint that we have both caused and we have experienced at the hands of others in the world. You know, a Jesus follower is always confessing two things, always. Who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We're always saying, Jesus, I follow, and look what he did for me. We're always talking about why Jesus came and the difference that that's made in our lives. I'm loved and I'm forgiven. And we may not know much at times. We may not be able to, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's and explain everything. But a Christian or a Jesus follower is able to say at any point, because of Jesus, I am now washed clean, purified of all unrighteousness, forgiven backwards and forgiven forwards. Not because of me, not because I'm someone great, but because of him, because he is so great. And it doesn't mean that I'm perfect, not by a long shot. It does mean I've been purified though. And that to me makes all the difference. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer under the rule of sin. I no longer have to follow the destructive patterns or habits. I follow Jesus and he's purifying me moment by moment. And so because of that, for perhaps the first time in my life, I can be honest about my sin, honest about my failures, honest about my stupidity because I know that I'm loved and forgiven in Jesus. We can get honest with each other, confessing our sin to one another because we can celebrate together the fact that we have been totally and completely forgiven in Christ. We can even receive from one another honest confession and be able to remind one another and assure one another that you are loved, that you are forgiven because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has paved the way to freedom. Confessing him and confessing our sin, it all leads forward to that. And that helps us get on with living the truth. At the start of chapter 2, John says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. That's the desire, the goal. The purpose is that of telling the truth and confessing the truth is so that we can actually live the truth, that we could not sin. And when we understand what sin is, sin is, is about uh, rejecting the truth. It's about living out a lie. It's about remaining in the darkness, remaining in bondage. Uh, sin is about, about perpetuating the hurt and the devastation that has not only hurt our lives, but ruined the world. It follows a, a life of lies and, and darkness apart from Jesus. When we get that that's what sin is, we can see why John is saying, my hope is that you would live free from this, that you would not sin. But I want you to hear me right. God is not obsessed with sin. God is not obsessed with your mistakes. God is not constantly rubbing his hands, worried about the little things that are going. He's not like that. He's not a legalistic God who gave us a stuffed up religion. No. God knows what sin does to us. He can see more clearly than any of us how sin has ruined his creation, has brought death and destruction. And he knows and deeply desires and has done everything possible through Christ to enable creation, to enable us to live free of the things that destroy us. And so to live in freedom is to not have to sin anymore, to not sin. 
we can actually choose now because Christ has purified us and the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us. We can now choose to live for God. We can choose to lay down our lives for each other. We can choose to not be selfish. We can choose not to tear each other down with our words. We can actually lay down our rights and we can be kind. We can actually choose to show grace instead of judging people. We can choose this new freedom that we've been given through forgiveness and accept one another as Christ has accepted us because we're not slaves to sin anymore. We've actually been freed from the rule of sin, and it's such such a gift. But, and this is where things, I think, get amazing. This is when I was uh, researching this week and reflecting this week. This is the thing that got me really excited, and I want to share it with you. This is where we get, like, platinum-level freedom. Because John follows up his desire that we would not sin with a but. But, if anyone does sin, and I want you to hear that, but, if anyone does sin, I don't want you to sin, but, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. And this, to me, friends, is where we really move into a life of full freedom. This is where we land. The experience of freedom, of knowing Jesus' atoning sacrifice that is applied to us day after day as he advocates for us, standing at the right hand of the Father, the one who already took our place now stands and speaks our name. To know that we're covered that we are loved means total and complete freedom in our daily lives. And this is important to get. Sometimes it's been said to us in ways that would suggest that the Father, God, would rather have squished us like bugs. You know? But man, are we ever glad Jesus stepped in between his evil glare and advocated for us on our behalf. And sometimes there's been certain theologies that have suggested it was almost like the son was pitted against the father. The father really wanted to judge us, but are we glad Jesus stepped in because he's kind and loving. Look at him. But that is not true. What we see here and see in the whole story is that, well, to quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus comes from the Father, as an expression of the Father's love for us. Not only in his life, not only through his death, not only because of his resurrection, but also now in part of his ongoing advocacy on our behalf. This is super, super important. Because when we understand that we are now rightly related to God, that there, as, 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 as Crystal read from Romans 8, there's nothing that can separate us from his love that we have been brought into the light. This is where the true freedom lies. We don't have to walk around under a cloud of judgment. We don't have to drag along the shame that continues to threaten our peace and our hope. True freedom comes when we can dance in true forgiveness. Yes, we're going to sin. Yes, we will falter. There's going to be a times when we deceive ourselves. 
telling us that we haven't sinned, that we haven't messed up, when we actually have and we need to come to grips with it and repent. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to be selfish. But, and we need to take that big B-U-T and plant it right in front of us so that we can understand, but when that happens, we're already covered. We've already got someone advocating for us before we even realized we'd missed it. Jesus has us forgiven already. He's already taken our sin to the cross. He's already paid for it in full. And so that when we really get that down deep, that we can live in total freedom, truly forgiven by Christ. Friends, that's when life begins to be true in a way that we never could have imagined. So there it is. That, as we look at this scripture today, that's the path to freedom, that we commit to telling the truth, that we confess the truth about who Jesus is and our need for him, that we start to live that out, centering on God's desire for us in his world, and then recognize even when we mess up, it's okay. Like, really, it's okay. Jesus is our advocate. The righteous one stands at the right hand of the Father and says, oh, yep, yep, you, Tom, did it again. Oh, yeah, it's okay. He's mine. It's covered, paid for in full. He can live free. My question for you today, for us, is what's holding you back from experiencing that true freedom, that true forgiveness. We've covered a lot of different ground today, different things, uh, what we think about God, how we think about ourselves, how we deal with our sin. I don't know what it is for you, but I think there's something. There is for me. What's holding you back? What's the one truth you need to actually acknowledge? Something about yourself. Something about God. Something about your past. What's the truth that you need to tell? What's one confession that you need to make? Is it time for you to finally confess Jesus and say, you know, I've been reading about Jesus. I've been thinking. I've been talking. It's time for me to say, Jesus, I believe you. I'm going to follow you. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to follow you. Is it time for you to make that confession? Is it time for you to confess your sin? Not in a groveling way. I hope you heard this today. But in a way that says, oh, Jesus, I just want to give this to you and dance away. Celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ. Is it time for you to confess sin? What's one step that you need to take today closer to the true freedom that God desires for you. I don't know what it is, but my hope and my prayer is that you would take that step, make that one confession, embrace that one truth, because it is God's desire through Christ that we would be totally and completely free. I want you to imagine the difference that that would make when you get up in the morning the difference it would make in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in our country, if we were to fully and completely embrace the freedom that Christ has accomplished 
for us. I want you to imagine what this would do to people who have been crushed by racial injustice. If the people who have perpetrated that injustice would suddenly realize the truth about who God is and who Jesus is and repent of their sin and ask for forgiveness, imagine the difference that that would make. In places that have been just torn apart by prejudice, racism, sexism, violence, and harm. I want you to imagine what this would do for families. What would happen if families who've been torn apart by fighting and grudges, if they were to suddenly grasp the forgiveness and freedom that has come to us through Christ? The way that they begin to commit to tell the truth about their own sin, their own family sin. The way that they would begin to tell the truth about each other, confessing their collective need, their personal need for Jesus' forgiveness confessing ways they have hurt others and offering forgiveness for the ways they have been hurt. Imagine the difference that that would make in families who have been torn apart. I I want you to imagine the kind of healing that would come to countries, to the church that's been torn apart by lies, by confusion, by Stories that have been perpetrated by, you could say, the principalities and powers of even politics. I want you to imagine the healing that would come if men and women truly confessed the truth about who God is and what he has done for us through Jesus and they embraced that forgiveness. Imagine the freedom that would flow. Imagine how you feel how you would feel in the morning when your eyes open and you breathe in knowing that you are completely free. You are totally loved. You have been purified, cleansed, washed clean, set right. And for anything that comes along your way that day that might threaten that, you've got Jesus Christ himself standing there to cover it all Imagine how you'd get up in the morning then. That is the love that God has for us. We can walk out of our doors each day knowing that we have a good, good father holding the hand of his good, good son, filled with his good, good spirit and able to live in true freedom. That's my hope for you, my prayer for us, my prayer for all of us, that we would experience the true freedom that comes from true forgiveness. Let me pray as the worship team comes to lead us in a final song that caps us off. Lord Jesus, your love for us never fails. I pray that you would take my inadequate words today and then by your spirit, you would drive your word home, the truth that we are loved, forgiven, washed clean in you. And somehow, that would begin to move us into total freedom. We celebrate you, Jesus, our rescuer, as we sing, as we dance, as we move and breathe in the total freedom that you've given us. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. 
We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey. Whether you're finding Jesus for the first time, or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.